Today's shiur begins at the top of Daf Kuf Yud at the Mishnah. Before we begin the actual text, we glance at the side where we have a no say a topic heading. Malve atoyvea choyvoy miloyve. We have a lender attempting to collect a debt from a borrower. Vahaloyve moitzi shtar mechira im ta'arich sha'achar The borrower then produces a document, a bill of sale of property with a date after the date of the loan it would appear on the surface of things that there is no longer any debt had there been if there still was a debt the lender wouldn't have sold a field to the borrower. He would have seized the opportunity to simply collect his debt. We now uh, turn to the Mishnah. A lender produces a bill of debt to collect a debt from a borrower. The hello and the other guy, the borrower, Hoitsi Shemochar Loi Esasode. The borrower produces a document indicating that this very lender sold him a field. And as we said in our introduction, that would seem to indicate that there is no more any debt. We have a uh, Rashi to look at at the top. The borrower produces a bill of sale dated after the loan. And the borrower says, Whatever you're trying to collect from me, either it's a forged document or it's been paid up already. If I was still uh, obligated to you, he wouldn't have sold a field to me. You should have been uh, more interested in collecting the debt, the supposed debt. The um, Mishnah continues. This is, as you can see, the sixth of the seven Admon teachings. The Admon says, Yochol Hu Shiomar, the borrower can say, as we've explained so far, had I been uh, indebted to you, you should have collected for me the debt when you were selling me the field. The Chachomim Oimrim, the sages who disagree with Admon, and they say, this lender was smart. He was shrewd. He sold him the, the property, thereby enabling him, the lender, an opportunity to seize the land as collateral. This might not be...
clear yet, this Mishnah. And hence we have to look into the Gemara for further clarification. My time the Rabbonan. What is the reasoning behind the Chachomim Shita, the opinion of the Chachomim? Shapiukoma Admon Abon seems to be making very good sense. That if uh, a lender is trying to collect a debt, uh, then why is it that the how is it that the borrower is able to demonstrate with a with a deed that the lender had sold him land instead of simply collecting the debt? You can see we have a geometric form, a house shape, and this is uh, explained on, under our Mivne heading. Uh, hi- we're highlighting the word Ba'asra. Ba'asra means in a location, in a place. Um, so on the side, under the Mivne heading, we've written Minhogim Shainim, different practices, Beseder Bitsua Iska Ois, in the, the sequence in which deals are concluded, transactions are executed. Ma Kodem, what takes place first? Aricha Sashtar, is it the preparation of the of the deed, the, the document, the contract, or the payment of money? And this will make a bit big difference. We now go to the Gemara. Be'asra diavi zuzi v'hodar kasvi shtara in places that the practice was first to pay, or it's first a in, in a sale of property, the money is given up front. And then a document is prepared. But Kule Alma Lo Pligi, everyone will agree. Everyone, Kulama Lo Pligi, everyone will agree. The Motsi under circumstances like that, the borrower can say, you know, you should have grabbed the money that I was paying for the sale and just claim that's the payback of the debt. Why is it that you continue to prepare a title of a bill of sale indicating then, like I say, that the, the, uh, the debt that you're, uh, that you're claiming has already been paid up. So, in that case where the practice is to give the money, uh, in advance the money before the preparation of the shtar, everyone agrees that the lova has the upper hand. The machlokas between Admon and the Chachomim is in a, in a place where the practice was first to write up the shtar and then to pay the cash. Admon Savar Iboya Lei Lemimsar Moidah Admon figures that if the mocher, if the or the lender has any uh, any chance he should have issued a disclaimer. He should have told other people that, you know, I, uh, I'm, I'm going to sell this field now, and I'm going to get paid for it, and my whole purpose in doing this is not, as a, it's not an indication that the debt that I am trying to claim has been paid up already, but I'm simply uh, transferring to this borrower a parcel of land and I'm getting paid for that parcel of land that will now enable me to seize that land back as a as a means of collecting my debt call it as, as collateral for the debt that he still owes me 
And, and Admon says that if he didn't issue this whole disclaimer, the fact remains that if, a, uh, if the sale was concluded and uh, it was paid for, it indicates that the payment was for the sale and that really there is no more debt. The Rabbonon Savri, the Rabbonon who introduced that the, the method or the scheme that we just finished describing, whereby the, the lender provides himself with a means of collateral, uh, the Rabbonon say that that is in fact the lender's strong claim, and as far as why didn't he issue the disclaimer, because chavroch chavro isle v'chavro de chavro chavro isle, which, without translating it literally, it means that word gets around. Everyone has friends, and friends tell friends, and word will get to the borrower, and he won't go through with the sale, realizing that he's going to end up losing the land uh, eventually because of the because of the lender's uh, continued claim. So you can't expect the lender to have issued this disclaimer that would have foiled his entire uh, his, uh, his entire scheme. The Mishnah. Shnayim shotziu shtar choiv ze al ze. A attempts to collect with a, a bill of collection a, a debt from B and B from A. Admon Omer. And let's just assume in, throughout, throughout this sugya that these two debts that each one is trying to claim from the other are the same amounts of money. There are, the Gemara will deal with the circumstances. It's very hard to reveal right now what is really going on, but there are uh, there's quite a bit of information revealed in the Gemara. Well, in the meantime, Admon Omer Ilu Hoyisi Chayav If I was indebted to you, Kate said Then how is it that you're borrowing money from me? In other words, if if I was still indebted to you. Uh, you, the money that you would be taking from me wouldn't be a loan that you're taking from me. Simply be try, you're trying to recover your debt, and so that if if you're borrowing from me, and indicates that whatever uh, whatever I owed you was already paid up. Rabbanu say each one collects their debt as is. We note in Rashi the point that we made earlier. Rashi across from here Even if the amounts are equal, We don't see that each one withholds the money that he is chayev to the other, uh, but rather Basin goes descends upon the properties of these people uh, and sells them off in order to see to it that these. Debts are paid. So far, it's still quite murky because the way we're explaining things, we're saying that that A is trying to collect a hundred dollars from B, and B is trying to collect a hundred dollars from A. So that A, in trying to collect from B, will collect a hundred dollars from B, and then uh, B, who is trying to collect from A, A will have to pay back the hundred dollars. Like, what have we gained? What what's what's the purpose of all of this? Uh, to be continued. The Gemara. Itmar, Shnayim Shotzi Shtar Choiv Ze Al Ze. 
it would appear to be the same case as the Mishnah. Rav Nachman Omar Zeh Goiva Vezeh Goiva the uh, opinion of Rav Nachman seems to reflect the Chachomim and Rav Sheshes Omar Hafuche Matarta Lomo Li Elo Zeh Oimed Beshelo Vezeh Oimed Beshelo the um approach Rav Sheshes takes is what's the whole purpose in just exchanging the same amounts of money now the term Hafuchi Matarta Rashi explains the, the, the meaning of that phrase <clears throat> it's an analogy uh, imagine you're, you're carrying two uh, heavy items uh, one in your left hand and one in your right hand and it's the same both items have the same weight the same type of container does it make any sense <coughs> that to to switch the the uh, the package in, from your right hand to your left hand and from your left hand to your right hand? It's the same amounts. It wouldn't. It's not going to ease your burden at all. If it's a different story, if if one uh, package weighs uh, ten pounds and the other weighs five pounds, so it's it's beneficial to you to switch from time to time to make things easier to carry but where everything else is equal why why would someone do that and hence there's each one just keeps the money that they are uh, that, that the other is claiming from them as we go on we're con- we'll continue using the double underline to highlight the expressions Kuli uh, Almo and Kipligi, under what circumstances is there agreement and under what circumstances is there disagreement? Let us point out ahead of time that when we speak about collecting debts, if the debtors don't have cash, so collections are made from land. And technically speaking, there were, or I should say, in general, we usually speak about three grades of land, three types of land. Uh, Edis is the most desirable, Bainan is medium quality, and Ziburis, the poorest quality. It's also uh, generally assumed that people would prefer to have, you know, everything else being equal, a small amount of high quality land than a large amount of low quality land. We're not dealing with discrepancies in uh, in, in actual value that will be paid back, but we're dealing with different qualities of land that would be used to pay back. There's also a general list of, we'll say, uh, a, a program of collection. That is, in, in cases of, of uh, tort damage, so the victim is able to collect from edis quality land, top quality land. When it comes to collecting debts, uh, loans, uh, those are collected from middle quality land. So far, when we speak about these three qualities of land, the simple approach simply says that there's an objective, uh, let's say, regional standard of land. In any given region, there is what's known to be the best quality, the middle quality, and the lowest quality. And that's what we call, in the Gomorrah terms, you'll see the expression, of shaman uh, bidalma. Shaman means we make our assessment according to the general standard. There's another way of looking at things, and that has to do with a relative standard, where an individual has several qualities of land, 
where you can have a situation where uh, his best quality of land would be the, the, the worst in terms of the general audience, the general public. But it just so happens that, that he has even poor quality land that's worse than the worst, uh, if you can say things like that. That's a, uh, and in a case like that, this man's best quality land, though it's the equivalent of the poor quality land in general terms, but relative to himself, that's his best quality. That's his idis. So we're just throwing out these ideas as, a, as, as general points to be aware of as we go through the Gemara. So we just, the Gemara continues, the Kule Alma, Rav Nachman and Rav Sheshis will both agree, it is for it is where the two parties claiming from each other both have uh, only it is quality lands, or Bainanis Ubainanis, Ibuus Rizibuus, Vadai Hafuche Matarta Hu. That's very clearly a case of Hafuche Matarta, which would mean there's no point in, in, uh, in exchanging. Uh, uh, the, the, the same items from one to the other. The same items in the same quality lands from one to another. Keep ligi. When does the Machlokis Rav Nachman Rav Sheshis arise? Deis lei lechad beinernis u lechad ziburis. Where one of the parties has beinernis land and the other party has ziburis quality land. Rav Nachman Sovar. Uh, we should also point out, by the way, that the uh, Gemara will uh, appear in in several stages, and that's what this. We didn't point out that this uh, bow tie shape on the side of the Gemara. We have a nosei mivne uh, heading. These are nisyonos attempts lahasbir beezen mikre kaim amachloikis bein Rav Nachman verav sheishes. Uh, under what circumstances do Rav Nachman and Rav Sheshis argue with regard to the two that produce bills of collection, one against the other? So, as we said, this is stage one. You will notice later that there is a, we'll say, the Gemara raises a difficulty with this analysis, which will bring us to stage two. So we say that the machlokas arises when one has Bainanis quality land and the other has Iburis quality land. In other words, they're, they're not on equal footing. Rav Nachman Savar, Ze Goive Veze Goive. Rav Nachman is of the opinion, as he said before, that each one does collect. Once again, I know that sometimes we may sound repetitive, but there are certain points that are ab- some, somewhat abstract or obscure. And you should just realize that both have debts of the same market or the same amount, the same objective uh, monetary amount. Each one is trying to claim $100 from the other, for example. The payments are not going to be in cash terms, but rather in land collections. And we said one of the parties has medium quality land, the other one has poor quality land. According to Rav Nachman, in a case like this, there is there is a point in proceeding with collection, and this is predicated on Rav Nachman's position that land qualities are assessed uh, according to subjective terms. That's Bishelow Hanshelman. We'll explain that as we go through the Gemara. Procedurally, what will happen? Osi Balziburis, 
the Govi Le the fellow who has a claim of a hundred dollars and currently owns the Ziburis land, what he'll do is he'll collect a hundred dollars worth of the Bainanis land from the other fellow. They have a Gabe Edis. At that point, the Bainanis quality is for him, this Balziburis, again, subjectively, or relatively speaking, it's Idis, it's top quality. What did we say about people collecting debts? To what kind of land are they entitled? We could say it this way, in the negative. They're not entitled to top quality land. So what's going to happen now? The Osahu, the fellow who was, we call the original Bainanis owner, he's going to now come to collect Osahu, the Shokil Ziburis. And he's going to then be taking the Ziburis, which is the less than top quality land, uh, as his collection. So we don't have, you, you see that there's a point, there is what to be, we'll say there's profit here, Profit in, in, in quality terms, not in terms of, of cash terms, but there's in quality terms, there is what to be gained, certainly by the, the Baal Zibur, says what to gain in this situation. Because at the end of the day, he will be keeping the Bainanis, and the, the Bainanis original owner will be getting as his payment the Ziburis. The Rav Sheshes, oh my, Rav Sheshes says, said this whole, this whole uh, act is pointless because Rav Sheshes, oh matarta lomali. That's what Rav Sheshes says. Why switch around equal, equal things? Kosovar, he, his, his uh, conclusion is based on the, on the premise that Bishel kol Adam hein shomin. And when we speak about uh, 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 it is quality or, and Bainun is quality, Zibur is quality, we speak about a general standard, not a relative standard. So that when debts are collected, they're collected from, as we mentioned earlier, from Bainun is quality land. And according to Rosheshis, Bainun is means in, ter- in objective terms. Soif, soif, the, the result is at the end, ki also hahu, Bainun, ki osi hahu, when the Bainanis guy comes to collect, after the, the Ziburis man collected the Bainanis, the Bainanis man is now going to come to collect his debt. It's Bainanis Denafshe Koshokil. He's going to end up taking back his own Bainanis. So, what was the point of having it given to the Ziburis man when at the end of the day, it'll finally be given to him and then I'll take it back? The Gemara asks, according to. Rav Nachman that said uh, that there's a there's a point to this and we described how there is a point to it by having the Balziburis collect the Benunis. Uh, the Gemara asks Rav Nachman my chosis the Osi Balziburis Beresha what is it that makes it such that the Balziburis collects at first Lacey Balbanunis Beresha Valigvi Ziburis. Let the Balbanunis, the Bainanis owner, come to collect first, and he'll collect the Ziburis. Vilahader Valigvini Hale. And then when the Bal Ziburis comes to collect, once again, he's not entitled to the top quality, and things are, according to Rav Nachman, looked at on re- in relative terms. So what is going to happen? 
the the Baal Ziburis is going to have taking back the Ziburis that he had just paid. That's And then after the after the Baal Abaninus initially collected the Ziburis, when the other fellow comes to collect, he'll be taking back the Ziburis. And is that not a case of Hafuche Matarta? Lord says, what well, Lotsricha, the case concerning which Rav Nachman does argue is the Kodim Tav'e, where the Balzi Buris, in fact, was the first one to place his claim. So what he's the first one to place his claim? Sovsovki, also the Mikvi, when it comes to the actual collections, Bahadi Hadodi Kasu, they're going to be coming together for the actual collections and you're back to square one it's, even, even if the uh, Baal Ziburis had put, put, put the claim in first they're going to be coming together so that the uh, the, the Baal uh, the Baal will end up uh, uh, collecting the Ziburis according to Rav Nachman and I'm paying back the Ziburis Elah Lo Tzricha rather the Machlokis Rav Nachman and Rav Sheshis is necessary to be taught the is lay lechad ibis ubeninis the is lay lechad ziburis as you can see this is a new setup with the markings you can easily contrast with the first case where in the, the previous setup we had one had beninis the other had ziburis in this case one has ibis and beninis and the other one has ziburis Ravna Ramor Sovar Rav Nachman holds Bisheloi Hain Shomin. Assessment is made in terms of Idis Bainis Ibus is made on a relative basis. Umor Sovar Bishelko Odom Hain Shomin. And Rav Sheshis says that the standard is the objective uh, um, regional standard. And therefore, since it's an objective regional standard, it's going to be a case of hafuche matarta. Now, as far as Rav Nachman is concerned, there is what to be gained. And if, in order to appreciate this, we take a look at the Rashi. You'll notice across from here, there's a starred Rashi, more so Rabbi Shaman. matarta, who it's not a case of exchanging equal things. The mimon of Either way you look at things, the Baal Ziburis has what to gain. The e chavre kodim beresha vegavi. If the fellow that has idisin ziburis come, idisin beninis, effectively collects first, and he'll be collecting then the ziburis. There will now be three qualities of lands by that fellow. Umagvi lahech, and then the original Balziburus will get Bainonis, so he has what to gain. The Iu Kodim Govi, if the Balziburus collects first, and what will he collect? Again, because you're dealing, you're, um, he, will, he, will, he won't collect the, the Idis, he'll collect the Bainonis. So now you'll have the Baal HaZiburus holding Ziburus and Beninus. Beninus, Havyogabe, since we're dealing with Rav Nachman, who says things are evaluated subjectively, the Beninus that this fellow is holding on to right now is Idis, Umagvi the Ziburus, and he will then give to the other fellow the Ziburus. So the original Baal Ziburus, at the end of the day, either way you look at things, is going to end up with. So there's what to be gained. 
We continue in the Gemara. Tanan v'chachomim oimrim ze goive v'ze goive. We have a Tanaic source, the opinion of the chachomim that say that each one does a collection. Well, that's not like Rav Sheshes. Here we have something that's, that's true. Whenever you see this, it's, it's quite dramatic. And, and that is that you have the, it's called, I, I refer to it as the honesty of the Talmud. And here you have two opposite or two ar- arguers, uh, Rav, two opponents, Rav Nachman and Rav Sheshes. And uh, you, would, uh, you would think that if you have a Tanaic source that just knocks out your opponent, uh, Rav Nachman will be very happy that Rav Sheshis' point of view is being refuted by the Mishnah. However, the Talmud is, it goes above that. It's interested in, in honesty, in Torah's emes. And Rav Nachman is figuring like this, that if, you, if my opponent is going to be knocked down, he'd be, it better be with something that, that you can't wriggle out of. Rav Nachman points out that this isn't a solid question on Rav Sheshis. Rav, Rav, Rav Nachman explains the Mishnah in such a way that it works out according to or for the benefit of Rav Sheshis. Now we have a new marking and there's a new scheme that develops as you go through the next lines of Gemara. Take a look first at our topic heading. At the Mivneh, that is, the, the structural note, uh, you'll see that these are Nisyonos, the house marking, Nisyonis Lahazbir, Ha Dikotani, Vachachamamamze, Goive, Veze Goive. We're going to try, we're going to be explaining the Chachamam of the Mishnah. And then we will also have a, uh, another geometric form, a volcano shape. And these indicate Shlavim, these are stages, Lahavin is Rav Nachman Bamokar Hanal. We're going to first try to explain what Rav Nachman just said. So we're now interested in understanding the case of the Mishnah that uh, of the Chachomim, the Shitas Chomim, Zegoiv, Zegoive, and not have that as a refutation of Rav Sheshis. So the Rav Nachman explained the Mishnah is talking about a case of one loan is a ten-year loan and the other is a and the other is, is a five-year loan. Hechidomi, ilema rishon liesser v'sheni lechomesh that Reuven loaned Shimon a hundred dollars to be paid back at the end of ten years. And uh, let's say a year later, um, Shimon is interested in taking a loan. I should say that Ruvain is interested in taking a loan for five years. That's Vishani Lachomesh. Behal, Lemo, Admon, would Admon say under those circumstances that the that uh, one would have be able to claim Ilu Hoyisi Chayev Lacha? If I was really uh, uh, um, uh, indebted to you, so then how is it that you uh, are borrowing from me? Well, that's not a that's not a that's not a claim. Very simply, the time hasn't arrived. If we we'll just go over this case again. You have uh, Ruvain loaned Shimon a uh, debt for 10 years. Uh, 
That means that Reuven can't collect the debt until 10 years passes. I don't know, after a year later, a year later, uh, Reuven needs money, so uh, um, he might very well need to take a loan from Shimon. And Shimon won't be able to say, if, uh, uh, if I really owed you money, so what are you borrowing from me? It's very simple. He's borrowing because Reuven is borrowing because he's not going to see his $100 for another 10 years. Ella, rather, Rishon Lechomesh, Vesheni Le'eser. The, the first one's loan is a loan that was extended for five years, and the second loan was a loan for ten years. Hefidomi, but again, what are the circumstances? E de Motozimne, if the five years passed, so that uh, Ruvain loaned Shimon $100 for five years, and five years passed. And then we see Ruvain borrowing from Shimon. Well, if the five years have already passed, my time of the Rabbonon, why did the Rabbonon say that the uh, that the other, the second, that the, the that star is is a good star. The fact that the second star is a good star. Let us just go over that case again. Uh, Ruvain has a star of a of uh, indicating he loaned Shimon money for five years. He loaned him a hundred dollars, and Shimon, as a bill of collection to collect from Ruvain. If it is true that the five years have passed, then how is it that Reuven is is is, is uh, attempting to collect a loan from Shimon when you see this very Reuven borrowing money from Shimon, borrowing a hundred dollars? Why does he need to borrow the hundred dollars if the five years have passed? He could collect the money from Shimon as a debt owed to him. Therefore, if Shimon is showing us a document that Ruvain borrowed the $100, it must be that, that Ruvain's claim of $100 is a forgery. So why would the Chachomim machshir the bill of collection of the supposed first lender? V'i, we continue in the Gemara, V'i delo motozimne, and if the five years have not passed, holo motozimne. So the, the, the chance for Reuven to collect his five-year loan from Shimon hasn't yet arrived, and that Reuven happens to need money, and the five years haven't lapsed yet. Then what would be the basis of explaining Admon uh, who does not, uh, or I should say, uh, the the position taken by Admon that we saw uh, we saw in the name of Rav Sheshes of Hafulchei uh, Matarta. Just for the sake of uh, pinpoint accuracy, uh, I don't think uh, there was any need for me to make reference to Rav Sheshes because right now we're analyzing the Mishnah 
we had presented the Shitas Chachomim as a problem for Rav Sheshes. So if we're going to explain the Chachomim with, in, with this approach that the first years, the first uh, um, bill of collection was five years and the second bill of collection was for ten years, whatever explanation we give for, uh, for the Chachomim, we're going to have to see if that makes sense then in light of what Admon said. Therefore, if the uh, if we're going to explain the Chachomim saying Zegova Vezegova as a function of the first of the the, the first Malve's five year loan not having become uh, due yet, so why would Admon disagree with the Chachomim? Lo Tzricha the it, it, it is necessary to be taught. You know, this Machlokes uh, is necessary under, under the following circumstances. The Oso Behahu Yuma de Mishlam Chomesh. The five year loan is going to be due tomorrow. So that the first Malve is coming on the last day, knowing that the next day he would be able to collect. And yet, on this last day of the five years, he comes to borrow money from the very man that from the very man that tomorrow he's going to be able to collect that sum of money. More sovar ovid inish the Yosef liyome. The chachamim are of the opinion that people will borrow money, even if it's for one day, so that. And that can happen where there's like some kind of very good deal, a very a great purchase. You don't have any cash. You're only going to get your cash tomorrow, and he doesn't want to pass up on the fleeting deal. <coughs> so he'll borrow the the hundred dollars from the very man that tomorrow he's going to collect the hundred dollars. But he'll borrow from him today, the last day of the five years, and it'll be a ten year loan. That's the chachomim. That's Morsovar Ovid Inish the Yosef Liome. U Morsovar at Admon would uh, would hold Lo Ovid Inish the Yosef Liome. Now I just want to explain again, structurally speaking, all of this is Rav Nachman's presentation of the Mishnah on behalf of Rav Sheshes, and this is how the Mishnah would appear in explaining the Machlokes, Chachomim and Admon. So the Chachomim would take the position that a person would, be, would borrow for one day, meaning that even though the next day he'll, he'll, have, he'll get this amount of cash by collecting the loan that he had extended five years previously, but he needs the money today, he can't wait till tomorrow. And Admon will say that's people won't do that. Lo ovid inish the Yosef liome, people won't do that. And therefore, if you see the 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 Malve Rishon borrowing from the second guy, that it would indicate that the claim of the second guy is a strong claim, and which which stated that if you had a claim against me, so what are you borrowing from me? The Romi Barhamo Omar. This is a, a new house marking, so that indicates to us as a <coughs> a new uh, another approach in explaining the Shitas Chachomim uh, in the Mishnah. Hocha 
biyasmi askinon. Here we're t- we're talking about a case of orphans, and they 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 don't have any karka. They didn't inherit karka from their fathers. They have they have only portables, and the rule says as follows: the yasmi migvegavi yisoimim have the power to collect the loans their father had extended. However, agvuye lo magvinon minaihu. However, they are not collected from them. What would what would be collected from them? Portables. And there's a rule that portables of Yesaimim uh, are not bound in the payment of their father's debts. So that if you were, uh, if you want to understand the Chachomim, say what's the purpose in the collection? The purpose is, is because the Yesaimim, in this case, uh, 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 there was one of the, the we'll say the first uh, uh, lender had died, and it's his, it's his orphans that are coming to collect. So they'll be able to collect, and, but they won't be collected from. Uh, let's take a look at Rashi. Uh, Rashi that we're looking at is the fourth wide line under the Gemara text, toward the end of the line, Biyasmi Askinon, Shemes Echod Mehen. One of the two lenders that were featured in the Mishnah had died, by Yisoyimim Boim Vitoivim, and his heirs are coming to collect. Vainlahem Karka, She Shekinegdom Goivishtaro Mehen. These Yisoyimim don't have any Karka that would have enabled the other collector, the other <coughs> lender to collect the land. They don't they simply don't have that. So now we go back to the Gemara text. How the Gemara asks, how can Rami Barhamo say that the Shitas Chachomim is when they when they say is a reference to this situation? Which met, which stated that the Yisoyimim will collect, but they won't be collected from. It says in the Mishnah that each each lender will collect from the other guy. So the more answers on behalf of Romi Barhamo, What it meant is what the Mishnah means is that one will actually collect. And the other one was a candidate to be collected from, but there is no collection that's going to be made from him in actuality. Omar Rova, Shtechuvas Badov Rova is not happy with this explanation. Two objections. Number one, Chado, the Zegeva, Kotani. First, you can't deny the simple meaning of the text. It says that each one will collect. Not what Romi Bahama tried to explain that, that the second guy is fit to be collected, uh, fit to collect, but won't be able to. And furthermore, Ligvinu Aroliasmi, let the Yisoyimim, in fact, collect the land. And then, after the Yisoyimim collect the land as payment to the debt owed to their father, that very land will then be transferred back to the other fellow who has a claim against their father uh, based on Rav Nachman's teaching the 
you, someone that collected uh, property because of their uh, a debt owed to their father, uh, that very land can then be collected by the one who has a claim against their father. So if if that's the case, so then Kasia, why would you, why then would you bother saying Zegoyve Zegoyve when in effect it would be a, a case of Hafuche Matarta? So this is so-called Kasia. This is left as a as a uh, a difficult point in Rami Bar Chama's uh, explanation of the um, of the Mishnah. The New, a new suggestion for explaining the Chachamim uh, in the Mishnah, the Lukma, the Is Lehu, the Yasmi Ziburis, the Is Lei, the Didei, Idis Ubeninis. Very similar to a, an approach we saw earlier, the Yasmim who are coming to collect on behalf of the father, they have land, but all the land they have is Ziburis quality land. And the other fellow, with his uh, claim, happens to possess Edis and Bainanis. The Asli Yasmi, Govu Bainanis, the Yusoyman will come and collect the Bainanis quality land, Umagvi Le Ziburis, and then when the uh, original lender, the name is the fellow that remained alive, when he comes to collect his debt, all he'll be able to collect is the Ziburis. The Inami Bishalkol Odom Hain Shaman, because it is now, it, even if you say that land is evaluated in objective terms, and if you were to say that, so now the Yusimim, after collecting the uh, the Bainanis, they now have, in addition to the Ziburis, they have Bainanis. So you would say that they collected Bainanis and they're now giving back Bainanis. That's not so, because there's a special law concerning Yisaymim. The rule says that you cannot collect from Yisaymim when you collect debts that their father owed, you collect only from Ziburis quality land. So that, why couldn't you set up and explain the Chachomim who say Zegoyve with the Yisomim uh, circumstance like Romi Barchamo had suggested. And that's why we're calling this uh, Roman numeral number two. It's the second um, Yisomim explanation. And set it up like this. And there, there would be there would be value in each side collecting. The Gemara says, "Hani mili, the the rule of ein ifroim nixi yisoyim and al mizurus." That is true. Hechadolo tofis. That's where you're dealing with land that that the um, that the that, that the original fellow had not been in possession of. Avol hechadet tofas tofas. That, that put it this way, if the court has to do the distribution so then it wouldn't um, then it wouldn't uh, then there would be value in this in the uh, Yisoyim collecting the Bainanis and the other party coming to collect from the Yisoyim he'll be entitled only to Ziburis that's where there was no uh, Tofas where he didn't 
act on his own. Where he want, where Basin was going to make the payments, or but but where someone grabs it, he his grabbing is effective. That's hecho de tofas tofas, and therefore the fellow who, from whom the bainanus was collected, if he um, if he grabs back possession of the bainanus, even though it's from Yisoyimim, uh it uh, it stands. His collection stands. Before we move on to the Mishnah, I want to. Uh, correct a, a possible mistake that we may have made at the beginning of this Gemara, and that was mentioning back on the second to last narrow line of the Gemara where Rav Sheshis appeared, we might, uh, I might have uh, uh, paralleled Rav Sheshis to uh, Admon in the Mishnah. That, that would be a mistake. Uh, Rav Nachman and Rav Sheshes in, in the, at the opening of the Gemara were simply arguing about a case which sounded like the uh, opening of the Mishnah but they, they have their own machlokes uh, between themselves regarding Shnaim Shotzi Shtachov Zalzeh where Rav Nachman said uh, a collection is made one to the other and Rav Sheshes said and we had explained that in the case, in, in terms of the Gemara, we had explained that with regard to the uh, the the uh, issue of a five-year loan um, coming due on the next day. Would a would a, a lender like that who has the ability to collect his loan? Uh, tomorrow, would he borrow money the day before? Then it was the last day of that particular loan. So, regarding that, we established the Machlokes, Rav Nachman and uh, Rav Sheshes. And then we had to, uh, uh, after then presenting a, a question on Shitas Rav Sheshes from the Mishnah, we then had to explain the Machlokes Tanoim through the eyes of uh, how Rav Sheshis would understand it. And that's what you see in terms of the, all of these, uh, uh, these house markings were attempts to set up the, um, the uh, explanation of the Mishnah through the eyes of Rav Sheshis. Uh, but as far as the, the Machlokis Rav Nachman and Rav Sheshis is concerned, just to uh, repeat and with, with greater accuracy, the, the Gemara's final explanation in explaining their Machlokis, we had said that uh, one of the loan collectors had Idis and Beninis, and the other loan collector had Ziburis. And the is there is there a, a point in having the collection take place? Well, according to Rav Nachman, yes, there is because of his opinion that evalu- uh, land assessment is made in subjective terms. And Rav Sheshis said no point in doing so. It's hafuche matarta because land assessment is made in general terms, not in subjective terms. Before we continue with the new Mishnah, we glance at the side where we have a topic heading, the Nosei. Hanosei Isha, Be'eretz Yisrael, someone who marries a woman in the land of Israel, Eno Yocho Lechufa Lavor Me Eretz Le'eretz. One cannot force his wife to go from one land region within Eretz Yisrael to another land region. Kagon Mi Yehuda The Mishnah itself mentions that there are three 
land regions within Israel. It, for some, it may be easier to think of three provinces or three states within the land of Israel. And as an example, one cannot force his wife to go from Yehuda to Goliel. But a change of location within one province that he can force her. Provided it's simply a maintenance of the same circumstances, like from an ear to an ear. An ear is a medium sized uh, municipality. Uh, where the second location, the, the point of relocation, is similar to the first point. But not to force her, let us say, to go from a medium sized city to a metropolis. Now, the Mishnah. There are three land regions which have ramifications for marriage. As we explained in our introduction, Yehuda, Vehayardin, Vehagolil. Ein Motzian, Meir Leir, Mikrach Lekrach. We don't force uh, movement or change of location from one land region to another. So that when it says here, Ein Motzian, Meir Leir, this could be tricky. That's why we have to emphasize. When you're going, when you're dealing from uh, an ear in one land region to an ear in another land region, or mikrach lekrach, or from one metropolis in a metropolis in one land region to a metropolis in another land region, but within the same province, motzian meir leir umikrach lekrach, you can have you can force her to. Uh, move from one medium-sized city to another within that particular province or from one metropolis to another. Avol, we continue at the top of Omid Beis. Avol, lo meir lekrach v'lo mikrach leir. The Gemara will explain this in detail. Motsin minevei hara lenevei hayofe. One can force movement from a bad neighborhood to a good neighborhood. But from a uh, from a nice neighborhood to a bad neighborhood, not so. He says that you can't force your wife to move from a bad neighborhood to a good neighborhood. Rashi at the top. Before maybe we read the Rashi, just uh, just by way of illustration, to speak about a Neveha Yofe as being a, 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 a location, a, a neighborhood with uh, with a very uh, densely uh, built houses, very little by way of gardens and and parks and uh, airspace. That would be a Neve Hara. Neveha Yofe would be the opposite. So, Rabbi Shimon Leil says to go from the let's say the squalid type um, location to a an, an airy, roomy neighborhood. That also you cannot force it because it's bodek. Rashi says at the top, bodek as haguf. Bodek literally means checks out, but it means it subjects the body to a 
to a strain. It's, it checks out, it, it puts a strain. In fact, we'll see later in the Gemara this concept of, of any change, change from routine, puts a strain on the person. The Gemara. Bishlama mikrach le'ir. I understand the idea of not being allowed to force from going from a large metropolis where all of your needs are supplied to an ear where things are less accessible. The Bikrach Shrichi Komili in a large city uh, all of one's needs are uh, easily accessed. And Beir Lo Shrichi Komili and in a in a in a medium sized location so uh, you don't have all of your amenities available. So that's understandable what that which we saw Lo mikrach le'ir. However, elo mi'ir le'krach ma'itaima from a medium-sized location to a metropolis. Why can't that be forced? Isn't that uh, moving up in standard? So the Gemara says, Misayale the Rabbi Yosi bar Chanina. Our Mishnah, in effect, supports Rabbi Yosi's teaching. Gemara Rabbi Yosi Chanina, minayin sheyeshivas krochim kosher. From where do we know? That dwelling in uh, large cities is strenuous. It's, it's uh, as we say, it's strenuous. It's not uh, something that's that's necessarily better. Shenemar, the pasuk says, The nation praised those people who volunteered to. Um, we'll say uh, volunteer with a sense of self-sacrifice to dwell in Jerusalem. Jerusalem being an example of a of a krach, of a large city, and as you can see, it requires uh, an element of altruism and, and self-sacrifice to live in a place like that. My bodek. What do you mean by that? By that by that term. So in order to appreciate the term, we say Kiddush Shmuel, like in accordance with Shmuel's teaching. A, a change in routine. Veses is that something that um, is characterized by constancy uh, and regularity. So a change in regularity is the beginning of stomach ailments. And we emphasize here when, we, when he speaks about a shinui, and Ra- Rashi adds even l'toivo, even if it's uh, better for the better. Uh, and the uh, the Gemara c- continues kosuv b'sefer ben sirah. And here, there's a very tricky situation. The Gemara quotes a a, um, a book of a body of literature called Sefer Ben Sirah, the Book of Ben Sirah. There is uh, quite a bit of discussion concerning who was Ben Siro, at what time he did he live. But uh, I can tell you, just from, uh, just from memory, I, I seem to recall that, that there is a, an opinion that he might have even been the son of Yirmiyo Hanavi. And if that be the case, this Ben Siro work is, a very, is an ancient work, dating back to the time of the prophets. However, it was not um, canonized. It wasn't included in the... Uh, the 24 holy books of the Tanakh. It, namely, it does not have uh, divine sanctity to it. It's not 
a piece of work that was divinely inspired. There are words of wisdom in the book of Ben Sira, witnessed by the fact that the, the Gemara cites it from time to time, but it's not of a divine origin. So, the Gemara says it, that it says in Sefer Ben Sira, and then it goes on and quotes a Pasuk from Mishlei. Mishlei is from the, is from the uh, books of the Tanakh. It's from the sanctified or the canonized holy writings. So what do you mean it says that in Sefer Ben Sira? So if you take note of our markings, the quote from Ben Sira is really that which follows the brackets. So that we, what, what in effect happens here is that Ben Sira makes a point based on, it's, it actually continues, he picks up from a posik in Mishlei, and his, he adds that which follows after the brackets. So that technically speaking, the, the Gemara says, Kosov Besefer Ben Sira, he skipped the brackets, Af Lelos. Even the night times, and he goes on with some, with some more information, that's from Ben Sira. But in the meantime, if we, as we read the Gemara straight through with the bracketed section, you have to realize that only after the brackets do you have the actual quote from Ben Sira. So the, the, it goes as follows. Shmuel said that Shinu Ves is Trilis and Shmuel's point is, even if it's a, whatever change in regularity, even if it's going up in quality, it still can bring on indigestion and what is stomach ailments. Kosuv b'sefer ben sira, kol yemei oni ra'im. This is a posik from Mishle, as we emphasized, uh, and it says, translated as, all the days of the poor man are with suffering. Aren't there the, the days of Shabbos and holidays when uh, he might be he might be suffering and, and, and suffer limitation during the, the week? But when it comes to Shabbos, even the poor man sets up a, a nice meal, uh, an enjoyable feast on Shabbos and certainly on Yom Tov. So why would that be included in the in the Yemei Yoni Royim? What's ra? What's negative about that? The more answers to Shmuel. The Yomar Shmuel, Shinui Veses Tchilas Cholim Me'ayim. That any change, even if it's a change for the better, if you were used to eating uh, some type of very, very basic type of food substance uh, during the week, uh, maybe a, a, a bread with some, uh, with some olives or or something very basic, and then comes Shabbos, and you have a, even the poor man, he has a, he has a, a first course, a second course, maybe a third course, and that's a big change for him. It's a strain on the system, so that he'll pay for that, so to speak, uh, in the course of the day, or maybe right afterwards, but that's the beginning of, that's that's Me'ayim, and hence, even Shabbos and Yom Tov, for the poor man, uh, is going to be considered Ra. So, Ben Siro, Merafleilos, the Posik spoke about daytime, Ben Siro says the nighttime also. And further descriptions of the Yemei Oni Royim brought to you by Ben Siro, it says there, Bishval Gagim Gago, cities that are not built on, on, on totally flat terrain, but that are built on, let's say, hillsides, the, the poor man's house will be lowest. That's Shval means lower or lowest. His roof is lower than everyone else's roof. So that all the water and and, and uh, uh, runoff and drainage that flows from from on top runs down onto him. So if 
if he's going if anyone's going to be subjected to let's say to flooding or to debris uh, in their homes it's the poor man and his vineyard his fields are when you're dealing again with a um, say let's say a hilly uh, environment his fields and, and vineyards are going to be on the top of mountains and now it, this is explained these two points are explained the, the runoff, the drainage from people's roofs are going to land on his and all the erosion from uh, fields is is going to he is going to experience the erosions those which those locations which are higher up are going to be, are more subjected more subject to the to wind and erosion so his soil is then blown into other people's fields uh, leaving his uh, leaving his uh, his vineyards uh, topsoil bare. Uh, Rashi points out, in addition to what, what I mentioned, topsoil, so Rashi speaks about uh, the fertilizer that he used to fertilize his fields, so all of that will be blown away. Before we continue with the next mission, we glance at the side. We have a no say, a topic heading. Uh, point number one Hakol Malin Le'eretz Yisrael. In the spirit of the previous mission, the idea of forcing. Um, a spouse to move to a different location uh, the Mishnah here tells us that everyone can uh, anyone can force the other one with you know, husband and wife we'll see more more people that are included but in general husband wife wife husband can force one another to go from outside of Israel to the land of Israel and uh, another point that will be discussed has to do with Tashlum Haksuba, the Fimois Eretz Yisrael or Mois Kaputka. The Ksuba payment, when it needs to be paid, is it in accordance with the Eretz Yisrael coinage or in accordance with the Kaputya coinage? Kaputya being another country uh, whose coinage was, uh, was uh, more valuable, was weightier than the coinage of Eretz Yisrael. So which uh, coinage is used to pay the Ksuba payment? The Mishnah. Everyone can force the other one to go to Eretz Yisrael, but not the opposite. Likewise, with regard to going from a location outside of Jerusalem to Jerusalem, everyone can force that, but not to leave Jerusalem. Whether it be the men or the women. And here you have a, we have a double underline a marking. And on the side of the Gemara, you'll notice under the Mivneh heading, Roman numeral number one introduces this double underline which indicates Nosavert Israel, the initial marriage where they got married was in the land of Israel. And under Roman numeral number two, you see a, another type of double underlining uh, highlighting Nosavert Kaputya, where the marriage took place in Kaputya. So the Mishnah continues Nosa Isha Beret Israel, the Girsha Beret Israel. If the initial marriage was in Israel and the divorce took place, and the divorce necessitates a ksuba payment, so no saying law, Eretz Yisrael, the ksuba will be paid in terms of Eretz Yisrael coinage. 
Nosa Isha Beretz Yisrael Vekirsha Bekaputkia where the initial marriage was in Israel but the divorce was in Kaputkia no same law Mimos Eretz Yisrael the payment would be made from based on the Eretz Yisrael coinage Nosa Isha Bekaputkia Vekirsha Beretz Yisrael where the initial marriage took place in Kaputkia and the divorce in Israel no same law Mimos Eretz Yisrael Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel Omer, no sin law, mimos kaputya. On this point, Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel disagrees. Where the initial marriage uh, took place in Kaputkia, you must pay with the higher standard, the, the more valuable coin standard. No so isha be kaputkia, vikirsha be kaputkia, no sin law, mimos kaputkia. As we turn to the Gemara, we, ent- we encounter a new uh, marking. We have a diamond, and on the side, under the Nosei Mivne heading, we feature the word Hakol, and the Gemara will ask, La'asuye Mai. When you see, oftentimes, the expression of Kol or Hakol, it's, a, it's an expression that's coming to include something that's, that may not have been stated explicitly in the Mishnah. So what is that coming to include? Hakol Beresha, which said Hakol Malin Leretz Yisrael, Vein Hakol Motzien. And then we have Hakol in the Basefa, Hakol Malin Yerushalayim. So now we turn to the Gemara. Hakol Malin, Lasuye Mai. Lasuye, who does that come to include? That everyone uh, goes up to Eretz Yisrael. So Lasuye Avodim. It comes to include the case of slaves. And slaves here mean Evid Ivri. And Rashi explains that if a person had an Evid, if it's a Jewish worker that's bound to work for him, uh, so the, the, this Evid, this Jewish Evid, has to follow him even against his will. Even if he doesn't want to go, he has to go. The Gemara continues, According to those who have in their Mishnah a version that we don't have in our Mishnah, but that state Avodim explicitly, so then, uh, what does the Hakol at the beginning of the Mishnah going to include? As we mentioned before, we include that which is not stated explicitly. So what's there to include? Answer, The Mishnah that says that everyone, one can force others to go to Israel, that means even if one is leaving a luxurious neighborhood outside of Israel, to a squalid neighborhood in Eretz Yisrael. V'ein hakol motziyim, that part of the Mishnah, uh, what does the hakol come to include? Answer, l'asui eved sheborach mechutza l'aretz l'aretz. This includes a case of a slave that had run from outside of Israel to Israel. The Amrinon lay, we tell the master, Zavne Hacha Vazil. Your your only option is to sell him in Israel and and go. Mishum Yeshivas Eretz Yisrael because of the concern of having the land of Israel inhabited and settled. We don't want to have people removed from Eretz Yisrael. Hakol Malin Yushalayim. Lasuemai. What does that come to include? To include a forced movement from 
a bad neighborhood, a squalid neighborhood, again, let me correct myself, to include movement from a luxurious neighborhood outside of Jerusalem to a squalid neighborhood within Yerushalayim. What does the Hakol word in this part of the Mishnah come to include? Even if, let's say, someone found a luxurious neighborhood outside of Jerusalem and they currently live in a squalid Jerusalem neighborhood, so even that one cannot force, namely force movement from a squalid neighborhood in Yerushalayim to a luxurious neighborhood but outside of Yerushalayim. The Aidi de Tana Reisha Ein Motzian, since the Reisha used the expression of Ein Motzian means Ein Motzian from Eretz Yisrael, Tana Seifonami Ein Motzian. The Seifa also uses the expression of Ein Motzian with regard to Yushalayim. Now let us take a look at the at the Rashi on that. The Aidi de Tana, the Ilu Mishum Minavei Hara Minavei Hayafe. The uh, idea of, of moving from a, a, a bad neighborhood uh, in Yerushalayim to a good neighborhood outside, lo itzterich. I don't need the Mishnah to tell me that. Uh, it's true that Gemara said that, but the point is I don't really need that to be said. Kevon uh, Dashminen, since we were told, Demalin Minevei Hayafe Linevei Hara, we were told already that you can force movement from a luxurious neighborhood outside of Yerushalayim to a to a, 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 bad, a squalid neighborhood in Yerushalayim. So, so all the more so, we're not going to force Afilu Min even if it happens to be from a bad in Yerushalayim to a good neighborhood outside Yerushalayim. In other words, where where where, where there's a change in in status or change in, in situation and the change is to the bad where you're currently in the bad certainly you're not going to think that there, that you're going to be allowed to force to go from a ra in Yerushalayim to a nice one outside Yerushalayim so that's why the Gemara says here that the fact that it was taught was only by the way in other words for, for, say for structural style balance in the Mishnah as we go on, we have uh, another structural note to note, and that's on the side of the Gemara. You can see Roman numerals one and two. The ones, the one highlights uh, laalos to go up, uh, and the um, the Roman number two deals with lotseis to leave. And in each case, you have the husband putting a claim in and the wife putting a claim in when the husband is the speaker so we have a triangle with the point up and when the woman the wife is the speaker you see the inverted triangle and this represents a vikuach bein b'nei hazug b'inyin aliyah v'yetziyahi an argument that develops between the husband and wife regarding uh, either going to or leaving that will become clear as we see the examples Tonu Rabbonan, who Omer Laalois, vi Omer Shalo Laalos, the husband wants to go from, uh, say, outside of Israel to the land of Israel, uh, or from outside Jerusalem to Jerusalem. 
the Omeris Shalo Lalos, and she says, I don't want to go. Chaifenos Lalos, we force her to go. The Imlavin, if she remains uh, obstinate, so Tetze, Balog Subo, she is. She can be divorced and not receive the ksuba. She loses on the ksuba. That goes to show how serious this uh, matter is, how uh, how pressing it is to uh, to go to the land of Israel. How big a mitzvah it is. It's it's such a big mitzvah that will even compromise on the woman receiving the ksuba. And by this point in the masechta, you. I'm sure everyone realizes how important it is that uh, women are provided with a ksuba. But when it comes to uh, a choice of um, Eretz Yisrael uh, versus non-Eretz Yisrael, so the Eretz Yisrael consideration is very, very strong. It's also noteworthy that uh, these uh, halachas you, you will find are uh, are quoted in uh, the Sifrei Halacha, you can see this in the Rambam, and you can see this in the Shulchan Aruch as well. The uh, Gemara goes on, he, Omeris Lalos, Omeris Lalos, now she's the one that wants to go, and he doesn't. Lalos will tell the man, you have to go. And if, you, if he refuses, so then, so let him divorce his wife, and he'll have to pay the Ksuba. An interesting, uh, just it's interesting to note that there's there there's a there's two bonds that are alluded to here. There's the bond between husband and wife, and then and there's the bond between the Jew and the Holy Land of Israel, which, as I indicated before, might very well have ramifications to this very day. It's not necessarily a Gemara that's dealing with a story of once upon a time in history. Uh, but that's already a, a discussion that's a little bit beyond the, the purview of the Gomorrah markings, Dafyomi uh, Shura. But what we're trying to make a point is, at least on the textual level, you see the centrality of Israel, that even though we put so much emphasis and value on, on the maintenance of a married couple, uh, uh, the, the responsibility of husband to wife and wife to husband and um, hopefully the love between the two, but when it comes to the Jew and the land of Israel, if push comes to pull, the uh, halacha, and hence uh, God's word, uh, it places greater emphasis on the, on the Jew being in his homeland, in the land of Israel, where the Jewish people belong. Uh, we continue. He Omeris Lotseis, Vu Omer Shalo Lotseis. She wants to leave Eretz Yisrael, and he doesn't. saw Shalo Lotseis. We tell her you've got to stay. and if she refuses, Tetze Belog Suba. She will be divorced and not receive her Ksuba. Who Omer Lotseis, for he Omeris Shalo Lotseis. He wants to leave Israel, and she does not. Kaifenoisai Shalo Lotseis. We force him not to leave him love, and if he still insists, Yotzi, he thinks Suba let him divorce the wife that wants to stay in Eretz Israel and pay the Ksuba. Here we're dealing with the section of the Mishnah that dealt with the monies that are used to pay the Ksuba. Kashya. In in looking at the Mishnah and uh and its various sections, we end up with with something that appears to be self-contradictory. 
Katani, it said in the Reisha, Nasa Isha, Beretz Yisrael, Vigirsha Bekaputka, Noisin La Mimos, Eretz Yisrael, where the marriage took place in Israel and the divorce, which is associated with the need for paying the Ksuba, took place in Kaputya. She receives the, the lesser quality money, the, the Eretz Yisrael currency. Alma, Bosor, Shibudo, Azlinan. So we see that in order to determine if you just had the ratio, just this section, this first part of the Mishnah, you would conclude that money payments are determined by the Shibudo, that means, for our purposes, the place of marriage, where the initial obligation set in, the point of marriage. That's when the initial responsibility and obligation to pay Aksuba sets in. So, from the Reisha, we would go according to the place of marriage. Amal Seifa. Continue reading the Mishnah, and it says, Nosa Isha Bekaputka Vigirsha Beretz Yisrael, where the marriage took place in Kaputka and the divorce in Israel. Nosa Ilomi Mos Eretz Yisrael. Here you see payment from the, using the, the Eretz Yisrael standard, the cheaper, the lesser the, the quality currency. Well, if you have just the Seifa, then you would conclude Amo The method of determining what currency is paid is the time of collection. Not initial uh, obligation, but time of actual collection, the time of divorce. So that's a contradiction. Is it the Shibuda that determines, or is it the Gavaino that determines? Oma Rabo Mikule Ksuba Shonu Khan. The Mishnah is in accordance with that school of thought that says that Ksuba payments, since the, the husband has to pay out of his pocket, the husband is, is granted a leniency. We are lenient with regard to Ksuba payments. Kosovar, Ksuba Drabonan. This is accepting the position. This assumes the position that Ksuba is something that's only rabbinic in nature. In a, we would say it's only a rabbinic obligation as opposed to a doraisa, a Torah level obligation. And it being that it's rabbinic, so we can, uh, we, we can apply leniency uh, wherever they want to apply it. Namely, what we're saying is that, that no, no official uh, standard is set uh, determining how the money is to be paid on a, on a consistent basis. Therefore, whatever comes out to be more lenient for the husband to pay, he is he is to benefit from that. Now, regarding the, that case where the marriage took place in Eretz Yisrael and the and the divorce, let me correct myself: where the marriage took place in Kaputya and the divorce took place outside. Of Kaputya took place in Eretz Yisrael, Rabbi Shulmanil says in that case she gets the, the higher standard. Kosovar, Ksuba, de Oraisa. Rabbi Shulmanil is of the opinion that the basis of Ksuba is from the Torah. Since it's from the Torah, it takes on the characteristic of all debts, all forms of owing money. Person borrows money, so he is now indebted. What is the rule in general with regard to debts that are incurred? You go according to the initial, um, what's called the shibuda, the initial point of obligation. 
And hence, uh, Rabbi Shimon concludes that where the marriage took place in Kaputyo, even though the divorce took place outside, took place in Eretz Yisrael, she's entitled to the higher currency because the, the, the Shibuda there was in Kaputyo. That's where the obligation was established. Tonu Rabbonan. Hamotzi Shtar Choyv Al Chavero. A person produces a bill of collection to collect money from his friend, Kosovo Bovel. It says that the loan uh, took place in Bovel. Bovel. The loan is paid back with the Bovel currency. Kosovo Eretz Israel. Magveu Mimos Eretz Israel. Then the Eretz Israel currency is used to pay. Kosovo Stam. If a bill of collection is written but without the uh, land region mentioned in it, Hotsio Bovel, Magbeo Mimos Bovel. If the uh, creditor, the, the lender, pulls out the document uh, to collect from the borrower in Bovel, so he's paid with Bovel currency. Likewise, if the document is pulled out in Eretz Yisrael, payment is made using the Israeli type currency. Kosovo Kesef Stam. It says, the, the text would say, um, a hundred. A hundred pieces of silver, a hundred silvers were loaned. It doesn't say, was it, uh, was it the Sela type coin, a hundred Sloyim, or a hundred Dinarim, a Dinar is a quarter of a Sela, or a hundred Punyonim, a Punyon is a, is a small fraction of a, of a, of a Sela. It doesn't say what. It just says, uh, it just says that a loan of, of Kesef was extended. Whatever the lover wants to pay, even the very small coin called Isarin, or Isar, Isar, in the plural Isarin, he can pay back even these very small coins. And then this Tanaic source closes with, an ex- with a closing clause, which is not the case regarding the Ksuba. What is that closing phrase referring to when, when it says, Masha'enke Amr of Misharshia, Aresha. It's a phrase that refers to the uh, the beginning of the source. Lafuke midrab Shimon Gamliel diomar ksuba daraisa. This source is to the exclusion of Rab Shimon Gamliel, who says ksuba is daraisa. According to Rab Shimon Gamliel, the ksuba payment is going to be based on where the initial marriage took place. This source is saying that uh, it's going to be uh, paid wherever the uh, ksuba is, uh, is, 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 is shown, is, is collected. So that's not like uh, the opinion of Rav Shimon ben Gamliel, who said that the ksuba payment is determined by the initial uh, place of obligation. Just to go over that point again in a, in a more precise fashion, the ratio of this source said, and it said, Kosovo, and there was written in it, which would indicate the, the place that the initial obligation was established. So the, the ratio says that whatever the initial place of obligation is stated, that's how the payment is going to be made. So that 
is as far as a star chov. Then the end of the source says mashein bein kein besuba. Not so in the case of ksuba. Namely, in the case of ksuba, it might have written in the place of initial obligation, but the payment is not going to be made on that basis. And that approach is unlike, is to the exclusion of Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel. Again, a quote from the source. We saw just two lines above. If the, it just says kesef in it. doesn't say what kind of kesef. It doesn't specify the denomination that had been loaned. Whatever the lover wants to pay back, he can pay back. Obviously, he'll want to pay back the, the, the least amount. The Gemara asks, naska. Maybe maybe he has to pay Naska. Naska is a bar of silver. It's not even something minted. Omar Rebelozer, Dechsiv Bey Matbea, the uh, case of the Shtar Chov that is featured in the Brisa, says in it, uh, it would say, for example, Meo Matbea Kesef, 100 silver coins. Now that would exclude the Naska suggestion. Maybe the matbea that's referred to is a priti. Now, priti is a very small coin that, in general, was uh, were copper coins. And what what is the suggestion uh, suggesting here that he should pay, let's say, uh, copper coins? It said, for example, it said mea. It said a hundred. Matbea, and the lova, the, the 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 borrower would pay back a hundred priti. Ra, the Rashi says, "V'toymar shitein lo nechoshes a hundred copper coins." Oh, kesef shove mea prutos or silver having the value of a hundred prutos. So if a hundred prutos. Uh, is uh, equals uh, two dollars. You would give two dollars in silver. Omar of Papa, priti de kaspa lo avdi inchi. Once the star mentions in it the word matbea and the word kesef, that excludes the suggestion of priti because people do not make. Um, they don't uh, make out of silver very small coins. Before we continue, we glance at the side. Uh, we have a no say topic heading, which says, I'm sure uh, everyone got this impression earlier from the uh, previous Mishnah. From the, that is the Mishnah we just learned, that uh, everyone ought to live in the land of Israel. And the Gemara will also mention people who live outside the land of Israel are viewed as if they are idol worshippers. And the Gemara will cite uh, a basis and sources looking for that concept. A person should always should strive and live in the land of Israel. Even if that city is a majority idol worshippers. In other words, the 
the excuse being, oh, there are a lot of a lot of uh, goyim there. Uh, that's not an excuse to uh, n- uh, to not, not to come to Israel. And not and one should not dwell outside of the land of Israel, even in a city that is of a majority Jewish population. Anyone who lives in Israel, he he is he appears as one that has a God. God, we say, means God Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth. The Chol Shador and anyone who dwells outside of Israel, it creates the impression that he doesn't have a God. Shinamar, the Pusuk, and again here, it's a function of what do the verses say. It says in the Pusuk, Loseis Lochem es Eretz Kinan, Liois Lochem Lelokim. The land of Canaan, which is called the land of Israel, is given to the Jewish people in order for God to be your God. Question: The he call she'eno dor ba'aretz ain lo eloka. Can you say that anyone who doesn't dwell in Israel doesn't have a god? Of course, he has a god. Elolomar loch kol ador b'chutzoretz. Anyone who lives outside of Israel kiilu oivad avodes kachovim. It's it is viewed as if he is an idol worshiper. The chain b'david who omer concerning. One of the greatest of our people, King David. It says, David himself says, "Ki gershuni ayom is tapeach benachlas Hashem lemor lech avod Elohim achirim." I was, uh, I was uh, gershuni. I was chased out uh, from the uh, from the land of God, from the inheritance of God. Told, go worship other gods. Who told David to go serve other gods? What the Pesach is telling us is anyone who dwells outside the land of Israel it is tantamount to idol worship. There is a a major issue that is discussed uh, in in, uh, in the halachic literature which of course is way beyond the purview of our Gemara markings Daf Yomi Shurim is to regarding the um, uh, level of obligation, the ap- applicability of what we just learned. But uh, suffice it to say, it's a topic that should not be taken lightly. Make no assumptions, and everyone should look into uh, the the matter and uh, arrive at a truly halachic conclusion. And we have a very dramatic um, story and uh, say, give and take that follows. On the side, in introducing the geometric forms that we see now, we have a, a trapezoid or a volcano shape that will appear in alternating directions. The Nosei Mivne, read, heading on the side, features the trapezoid or the volcano with the top, the narrow facing upwards. That's Rabbi Zero speaking, and the in, the inverted is Rav Yehuda, and we will see a machlokes one who leaves Babylonia 
to in, in, in favor of in order to come to the land of Israel is that considered a violation of a positive command the positive command being remain in Babylonia so the story starts Rabbi Zerah there was a certain point at which Rabbi Zerah Mishtamit is a term meaning to avoid he didn't want to have a direct contact or confront Rabbi Yehuda. And why was he avoiding Rabbi Yehuda? The ball, the Mesach, there is Israel. Rabbi Zera wanted to leave Bavel to go to Israel. And, and um, Rabbi Yehuda would have protested uh, Rabbi Zera's plan. So he avoided being the uh, subject of a say, direct protest of Rabbi Yehuda. The Amr of Yehudah, anyone who leaves the land of Babylon for the purpose of going to Israel is in violation of a positive command. Shinemar, there is a posik, and we continue at the top of the Kuf Yud Aleph. Bovela Yuvo Vishama Yu Adyoim Pokti Oisam Nuum Hashem. Translated. Uh, they are to uh, go to Bovel, or they are brought to Bovel, and, and there they shall remain until the day I order them otherwise. Thus saith the Almighty. The uh, Toysus points out that even though this Posik is from the book of Yermio, uh, that is a reference to the, we call the Golus. Rishon, the first exile during the time of the Babylonian destruction of of uh, the of Beis Hamikdash and, and Eretz Yisrael, so they were to go to Bava. That's what the pasuk says. We know very well that uh, there was a return to the land of Israel during what we call the the second, uh, with regard to the uh, the second return of the second temple, the second uh, temple period, and that was orchestrated by. The Almighty, with prophets, great leaders like Ezra, Nehemiah. So, uh, once you you might say that, well, once this pasuk uh, was 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 stated in the time of the first Golos, they shall remain in Bavel, and then we added un, until God uh, commands otherwise. He commanded otherwise in the second uh, second base of Mikdash period. So finished. What's what's Rebuta? Who Rebuta? We, sh- we should have emphasized is, is at a time after the second base Hamikdash period. So there's, it's a non-starter. So Toisus says that even though this pasuk is referring to the Golis Rishon, it, uh, the pasuk is is concerned also with the Golis Sheni. That once they are exiled back to Bovel, so they must remain there until the until the, uh, uh, the the Lord commands otherwise. So that's Ravuda's point. Ravuda was living in Bovel. Ravuda and Rabbi Zera, the uh, entire there was a large uh, Babylonian community, and Ravuda's take on that was that they are to remain there in Babylon until the Almighty says otherwise. Even to the extent of not leaving Babylon, Bovel or Babylonia to go to Eretz Yisrael. For Rabbi Rabbi Zera says that pasuk isn't a reference to a, the command, a command regarding the Jewish people. It rather is a description of the temple vessels 
that in the destruction of the base of Middush, the temple vessels were brought to the land of Bovel. And there they shall remain until God uh, 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 orders otherwise. So it's a command, it's not even, it's not necessarily a command even, but rather it is a, uh, a, a, a prophecy of Yermiel concerning the temple vessels. And uh, Rashi explains that that's quite likely because the, the Pusik right before this uh, is dealing with the temple vessels. So in context, it seems to be very a very clear reference to the temple vessels. Now, as a result of this, it seems that Rabbi, and then the Gemara now has Rabbi Huda. What does he say in response? So Rabbi Huda says, you know, you might have a point about that, but Ksiv Kro Achrina. There's another pasuk from which I derive my shita, my opinion that one is not to leave Babylonia. What does the pasuk say? Hishpati eschem benoyis Yerushalayim b'tzvos of Eilus Asodeh v'chulei. I command you, uh, the Jewish people, uh, not to not to become aroused, not to leave Bovel. For Rabbi Zera, what does Rabbi Zera say about that? Hahu shaloyalu Yisrael b'choma. Rabbi Zera says that the pasuk whereby the Jewish people are are sworn not to become aroused and 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 uh, go to Eretz Yisrael, it means as a and as an entire single mass. I am not going to Israel as part of a single entire mass. I'm coming, I want to go to Israel as an individual. The Rashi at the top says, Shaloyalu Bechoyma, Yachad, Biyad, Chazoka, all together with force. So that the Jewish people were. Were were uh, were bound by oath not to uh, 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 not to rise as an entire uh, nation, leaving the exile together with force. But, but as as we said a moment ago, but as far as an individual is concerned, uh, Rabbi Zera was very enthusiastic in going to Israel for Yehuda. So, what does Rabbi Yehuda say about that? He says. As far as Yalu B'choyma is concerned, Shbati Achrino There's another Shvua that they that indicates they shall not arise at B'choyma. And we've noted along the way the Psukim, the first Pesuk, this Pesuk that was quoted by Rav Yudah, uh regarding the prohibi- prohibition of going to Eretz Yisrael from Bovel was Shir Hashir and Perig Bey's Pesuk Zion. Rav Yudah says, not only do you have Perik Beis Posek Zion, but you also have Perik Gimel Posek Hay. So that, as far as Rav Yudah is concerned, you have two Psukim, one a, uh, a warning to the individual, and the other a warning to the mass. For Rabbi Zera, well, what does Rabbi Zera say about that second Hishbati Posek? I, I need that additional posuk as part of Rabbi Yossi Rebichanino's teaching. This is a reference to three psukim in Shira Shirim, Perek Beis Posuk Zayim, Perek Gimel Posuk Hei, Perek Hei Posuk Ches, these oaths 
that we saw already Hishbati, we saw Hishbati Eschem Ben Yisrael we saw uh, references to this, these Psukim already here there are a total of three in the meantime what do I need them for? Achas Shelo Yalu Yisrael Bechoma bear in mind this is Rabbi Zero speaking he says that one is a warning against a mass uh, forceful return to Israel and one is that the Jewish people were uh, were bound uh, not to rebel against the nations of the world, uh, but rather uh, in the state of exile they should remain uh, cooperative citizens. And v'achas shishbia kodesh bochu es oiv de kachavim shalishtabdu bohen b'israel yosemidai. And a third shvua is that it's upon the goyim not to subdue the Jews, enslave the Jews, subjugate the Jews too much. Uh, certainly, uh, we can, uh, in uh, with the uh, hindsight of history, we can see that the. Uh, the idol worshippers, the Goyim, have certainly violated that Shavua many, many, many times. For Rav Yehuda, well, if, uh, up till this point then, according to Rabbi Zera, the, uh, the, the Shavuos Psukim that Rabbi Yehuda cited are already used up. So, what does Rabbi Yehuda say? Im to'iru v'im to'iru that in the Shavuos Pasuk, you have actually two Shavuos. The double expression, im to'iru v'im to'oru, then it, it, uh, um, accounts for an additional Shavua. And that will include the prohibition of the individual from coming to Eretz Yisrael from Babylonia. For Rebbe Zera, who was interested in coming to Eretz Yisrael, and yes, leaving Babylonia to Eretz Yisrael, Levi. The we'll say that the, that now that we've, we're accounting for an additional shvua, Rabbi Zer says I have an accounting for that in accordance with Rabbi Levi's teaching. The Yomar Sheish Shvuos Halalu Lama. There are actually six shvuos, uh, uh, and now this is a function of the of the we we mentioned the the double shvua that's mentioned in one of the psukim in Tayurim Tauru. So you you can note we have a little uh, uh, note with a double star on the side of the Gemara that in Perak Beis Posik Zayin and Perak Gimel Posik Hey you have there Im Toiru Im Tauru so that right there you've got four Shuas accounted for uh, so that's uh, as we said that's uh, you have uh, the Im Toiru Im Tauru. And you've got also Perak, and that's in addition to the um, the Hishbati expression. So it would it would seem then that the uh, Hishbati. I, I might maybe I should correct myself uh, that the, before the it's not necessarily the double expression in Im Torah Im Torah that accounts for the extra shvuas, but the fact that it says Im Torah Im Torah in each one of the psukim that were mentioned in addition to the Hishbati. Whatever the case is, you will be able to account for four shvuas if you look at it as that thusly, and then you have Perak Hey Posuk Ches, 
which is an, an additional shvur, and perek ches posuk dalid, an additional shvur. So if you uh, if you use that as your me- method of accounting, you will account for six shvurs. It struck me now, maybe it's a, just a, a detail, but the psukim that mentioned uh, hishbati and im toyu im toru, the double expression im toyu im toru. Each one im toiru is a is connected with hishbati, and im toiru is connected with hishbati. So that the uh, the double expression that you find in two psukim gets you to four shvuas. And as we said, in addition to that, the two additional ones getting you to a total of six. So now six shvuas appear, six oaths appear. Rabbi Zera continues. Tlosa. Uh, Hani Damoran, the uh, three are those that, that we already mentioned, that Rabbi Zera already accounted for three of the six. Enoch, the additional oath by which the Jewish people are bound, is number four, Shalo Yigalu Esaketz, that means prophets that, that lived amongst the Jewish people shall not reveal to them when the actual end of days is going to be. Number five, Vishalo Yirachaku Esakates. We should not distance, cause the, the end to be distanced. The Rashi uh, on the second line from the top says, Vishali Rachu Esakates Ba'avonam through sinning. Lishnachrinu Shalo Yid Shalo Yidhaku Garsinon. Instead of Yirachaku, a Dalid appears instead of the the Reish, Loshon Dochak, Shalom Yarbu B'Tachnunim, Al Kach Yosemidaya, fascinating point, that the Jewish people are exhorted not to pray too hard, to overdo it, prayer-wise, for the final redemption. Very interesting idea. Next, number six, V'Shalom Yigalu HaSoyed L'Oivdei K'Chavim. The Jewish people are warned not to reveal the secret to the Gentiles. What is that a reference to? So two pshatim in Rashi. One has to do with the uh, lunar calculations. It's called Soto Ibor. And another, another explanation is uh, the teaching of the, the reasons behind the mitzvahs of the Torah. Even the Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Noach, the seven Noahide laws which the Gentiles are obligated to observe... The, the depth of them, the reasons behind them, that are, are not, is not to be revealed to them. There's a basic isur in the teaching of Torah to Oivdei Kechavim, to idol worshippers. The Pasuk said, We saw this uh, as uh, quoted already on the fourth line from the top. Omar Rebbe Lazar if you observe the oaths, then fine. The imlav, if you violate the shvus, ani matir es besarchem, I will declare unowned. I will leave for as 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 open gain your flesh. Like these, uh, these are wild animals that people hunt. In other words, if you violate my shvus, then you will, in effect, be a hunted people. 
Uh, Amir Tzashem, of course, we will be zoiche to see the, the great redemption uh, soon in our days. With that, we conclude our shiur for today.